All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 9, Episode 2 of the Daily Face-Off Fantasy Podcast, presented to you by our friends at Betway. I'm your host, Brock Segan. With me, as always, we got Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. D, how's it going, bud? Doing good, man. Happy to be here. Um, really feels like we're getting into the meat and potatoes of the preseason now once we get into the positional show. So uh, fire it up. I feel like this is really where we start putting our flags in the sand and kind of identifying our guys and, you know, the guys that we're going to be going after in multiple leagues and pushing to you guys. So, um, yeah, feels good to be getting back into the swing of things. Hey, yeah, how you doing, buddy? I was gonna say, kind of the same deal. It, it, these are the these are the episodes where we kind of realize, whoa, why are people drafting guys there? Why is this guy not getting drafted there? And uh, and we could kind of bring out our let's call it expertise, and that's a lot of fun. Um, we we just started putting together, well, we put together our top two fifties. So it was it's nice to kind of get you know back on the hockey hockey train because you know that's kind of what fuels me through day to day. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it's good to be back. We're going to have a couple episodes this week. So, uh, you know, I can uh, talk to everyone out here instead of annoy the hell of the people around me. So here we are. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that these five episodes coming up, our positional preview, center, left wing, right wing, D and goalie, 
are certainly my five favorites of the entire season. Like this is this is what it's all about, right? Everyone looks so forward to the draft and getting ready for the draft is the most yeah. fun. I would say that if like we were legally only allowed to record five episodes in a season, like this would be the five that we would do because they're the most fun, they're the most informative, uh, and they're just yeah all around good. Um, so if you're gonna listen to any episodes, these next five are the ones that will get you ready for. Uh, the regular season gets you ready for the draft. Make sure you're, you know, as prepped as you can be for the draft and draft a championship contender. And uh, I, I feel like these these episodes have done extremely well uh, in years previous. Last year, some of our sleepers were just off the charts. And if you drafted, you know, a number of them, you would have been set on an early path to fantasy success. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. If you've never, if you're new to the show and you've never listened to a positional preview episode of ours before, here is how it's going to work. We've each created uh, our top 10 at the position or top 15, excuse me, at the position and created a consensus top 10 at the position. We will go through them one through 10 or 10 through one, give you our individual rankings, talk about why we've got them ranked there. And uh, yeah, go 10 through one. Talk about some of the guys who just missed the top 10 as well. And then we will get into our sleeper one each bust and breakout at the position as well. So a lot of information to get to in a short amount of time. So let's get started with number 10 on the list. And it starts off with a bang. We get juicy right off the start here. Alexander Barkov comes in at number 10. I'm the highest on him at number nine. Beebs at 10. Dylan at 13. Um, his ADP is currently 58.1. He is the 18th center being taken off the board. So we are clearly higher on Alexander Barkov than the general public currently is. Um, we talked about it last week, it being a little bit early to really be diving too deep into ADPs. But over this weekend, obviously, some drafts uh, have happened. And some of the ADPs that made like absolutely no sense are starting to make a little bit more sense. We talked about it last week, Jordan Kyrou, Joe Pavelski, guys like that, their ADPs were just outrageous. Um, they both dropped about three full rounds since last episode. So ADPs do seem to be normalizing a little bit. I think they're going to start to be a little bit more stagnant moving forward. So uh, we've got Barkoff here at 10. I, I wrote an article at dailyfaceoff.com the other day. You can find it. Uh, it's part of our draft kit, best value picks in each round based on Yahoo ADP. And Alexander Barkov made that list as the best pick to pick up in the fifth round, uh, still with an ADP of 58.1. So Barkov really, um, you know, is, is unquestionably in my, my mind, one of the best centers in the NHL. Uh, real life hockey doesn't always translate to fantasy success. The real issue for him has been the injuries. He's missed 18% of the games in 2022 and 2023, but is tied with David Pasternak for 10th in the league in points per game during those seasons, uh, averaging 38 goals and 63 assists. So 101 points per 82 games. The numbers really are outstanding. David Pasternak's probably going to go top five in fantasy drafts this year. Barkov, same points per game as, as Pasternak over the last two seasons, and he's going in the fifth round. So really, I think it's probably the same question that we all have for Alexander Barkov is, can he stay healthy? So like I said, I absolutely love him in my top 10. I got him at nine. D, you're the lowest on him at 13, just missing uh, your top 10. Why are you a little bit lower on Barkov this year? Uh, I would say it's less about Barkov and more just about the guys that I have ahead of him that that just, you know, that's how, what the center position is. It's incredibly deep. Like we'll, we'll run through some of the names that didn't even crack 
um, our consensus top 10. So yeah, there's a couple of names that missed that I would just rather have just because I think um, they offer you a, a little bit more of a, a well-rounded player. But again, we're talking in a vacuum here. Um, for ADP, I think Barkov is still one of the best centers, uh, or one of the best values you'll find at the center position uh, this offseason. To be able to get him in the back of the fifth round, um, I think really just goes to show, again, just how beneficial it can be to um, wait on centers if you can fill out your wingers and your goalies and potentially a defenseman or two um, in those first three or four rounds uh, and then free yourself up to kind of capitalize on the depth of the position a little bit later but yeah he just doesn't um, quite score enough for me doesn't score enough goals to really put himself into um, that I, like that very top echelon of centers here because you know I, everyone that I ranked above him um, for the most part that we're going to talk about here is getting taken in the first three rounds of the draft. Right. So for him to be on this list at the back of the fifth round, like I said, still a great value. Um, but I, I just, to me, he just doesn't have as much upside. You know, he's not going to fill out your categories as well as some of the other guys we'll talk about. He's uh, you know, doesn't hit much more than half a hit per game. Same with block shots. So he's not chipping in a bunch there um, in extended cat leagues. Uh, and then the goal scoring too. We just know that goals tend to lend themselves to fantasy a little bit more lend themselves to more categories uh, than assists do. They're generally rewarded more heavily. Uh, in points leagues and assists so the fact that um yeah he is kind of uh, a little bit more of you look at when he shot 18 percent a couple years ago still just managed 39 goals so the shot volume um just kind of leaves a little bit to be desired there uh 13.8 career shooter is solid but you'll see some of the guys we're talking about later in the list are the most elite finishes were, were, uh, that you'll come by in the whole league so to me it's less about barkov i think he's incredibly reliable uh, and will be amongst the assist leaders again this year. Uh, but yeah, you add the injury concerns just with the lack of goal scoring and uh, other category coverage for me uh, has him just outside my top 10. But again, I think he's a great value with where he's going. Yeah, absolutely. Him going as the 18th best center is almost a slap in the face to Barkov and kind of what something we like to call and stress really hard in fantasy sports recency bias. Um, like Brock said, this has been one of the steadiest players in the NHL in the last couple of years, all aside from the injuries. Um, and, uh, and personally I had him at 10 kind of for the same reason, um, that you mentioned there, Brock, I looked up his points per game last year. Um, and he was 11th among centers, 18th among all players. So kind of uh, goes to both your points there. As D was saying, center is so strong that it was just, we say it every year, but there's tears and, uh, Barkov just kind of landed outside of that let's say mega elite tier, but he's still, I mean, if you could get the 18th best point production per game out of a guy, even when say he does get hurt for 18 games, throw him on your, your IR and you could get a couple points somewhere else. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think it was pretty insane to see Barkov not even cracking some people's top 15. Um, we we're talking about a guy who has done 30 plus goals multiple times. And realistically it's, it, it it's all there. I don't want to keep repeating the same stuff, but um, I more so just felt I had to to stress just how good Barkov or how much better than the 18th best center Barkov is. Yeah, um, like but, of all the yeah. people we talked about, in like so in, in total, it, in our top 15s, we covered 18 different centers, and of the 18 different centers that cracked one of our top 15s in some capacity, Barkov is the last name on that list being drafted. 18th is the bottom of the barrel, going ahead of him, JT Miller, 17. Sebastian Aho 16, John Tavares, 15, Connor Bedard, 14. So, you know, still a good list of players. They all fell behind uh, him in our consensus rankings. But, um, you know, obviously, it, it, like you said, D, it's a very, very talented group of uh, players at the center position. We even moved a couple guys who have position eligibility out of the center category, moved them over to the wing to give that 
that that uh, a little bit more depth. Number nine on our consensus centers is Mika Zibanejad. Uh, Mika Zibanejad, I again am the highest on him at eight. Uh, Dylan is at 11. Beams is the lowest on him at 13. Uh, we have him as the ninth best center overall, and that is exactly where he lands on ADP at the moment. Ninth center off the board. Current ADP is 26.3. Zibanejad has just turned himself into one of the best goal scorers in the league. Great point producer as well. Picks up plenty of assists, plenty of production on the power play, and at 5v5 over the last four seasons, Mika Zibanejad sits ninth in the NHL with 133 goals. He's been very, very solid you know, each and every single season. Um, currently, last two seasons, 52 assists in each of them. Uh, most recently, he scored 39 goals to give him a career-high 91 points in 82 games. That's the other thing. We just talked about Barkoff a little bit, being, um, you know, running into some durability issues. It has not been the case for Mika Zibanejad. He's missed a grand total of one game over the last three seasons. So he's been a, a model of consistency, scoring and a ton of goals. And he's DJing on the side? That's just, how's this guy doing it? Yeah, it's absolutely impressive. insane. But Beebs, we'll go back to you here uh, because you are the lowest on me because of Bannon Chad. He landed 13th yeah. on your rankings. Why is that? was kind of hoping you'd just skip over me there because I started to realize halfway through, maybe he should be a little bit higher. But kind of like you said, there's just so many good names here that you could throw them in a bag. And it, it's kind of where Zibanejad came out for me. I just expect a little bit of regression from last season. Like you said, though, he, he does everything right. He plays in your lineup. He's potential of 35 40 goals um but for me i just i don't see him which i could totally be wrong but i don't see him having that triple digit potential in points which i do see from a couple of the other names in front of him and i guess that's kind of why i put him up there um granted zavidinjad has been phenomenal since he's joined the rangers i just we you, you know what you're gonna get and i guess i took a little bit more upside but at some point, if you want to be safe, I'm also a guy who loves going for upside. If you want to be safe, Zavidijad as the ninth center off the board, as the eighth center off the board, totally makes sense. Um, so, I basically, I, I think he's right where he should be on our list, and uh, and and I'm hoping that if the day comes around, maybe some people will feel like me and let him slip a little bit deeper. But yeah, center's so freaking good this year. Well, and every year, yeah, every year. That, that uh, I just couldn't put him there with a couple of names that I thought had true, true 100 point potential this year. And like I said, prove me wrong, Mika. Um, but before last year, he'd only had one season over 81 points. Um, granted, he did have 75 points in 57 games in 2019-20. Um, I hate that season so much for having to do this to us because it would I would love to just have so a full much too. Absolutely. So much yeah. yeah, he absolutely destroyed there. I also believe part of the reason why I put him at 13, have either of you guys, I know D has owned Mika Zibanejad. He is so frustrating at times. He is the king of the highs and the lows, which I mean, you, at the end of the day, it all comes out in the wash. But uh, I've had him in a couple leagues for a few years, and I just know those weeks when he's doing absolutely nothing. It's really hard, but at the same time, you got the weeks that he goes crazy and gets twenty points in five games. Those are the weeks where you can just sit back and laugh. So it all kind of comes around. But but yeah, um, you know, there's there's a case for Mika from eight to basically 15 or man, probably. Yeah. I think the one thing about uh, Zabanajad is he's done a lot of, like a lot of his production in recent years has come, you know, mostly with kind of like one winger, right? Like he's been with Chris Mm -hmm. Kreider, a bunch that right wing position has just been, uh, 
you know, influx constantly. Lafreniere, uh, Kako, not, you know, none of them really been able to grab that position. And if one of them, you know, truly excels this year, Kako seems like the front runner in that spot, truly excels on the other side. I think Zabanajad could be in for a big season. Uh, but do you were sandwiched in between the two of us with Zabanajad at 11? Uh, what do you think about Mika? I love Mika. I, again, it just comes down to the guys that I have ranked above him, I think just offer a little bit more. Um, or in some instances, they're just uh, on, on the other side of the aging curve. So, yeah. you know, they're yeah. just at a point in their career where you think they might be able to take a step forward, where I feel like Mika is amazing and he'll continue to be amazing over the next few seasons here. But coming into his age 30 season, uh, I would be surprised if he hasn't peaked at this point, right? Um, already playing all the minutes in the world. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's awesome. I have him in uh, our Dynasty League, Abib's alluded to. Uh, he can be streaky at times, but he can also just win you a week on his own. So, uh, incredible talent, but for where he's going to, um, beginning of the third round, again, it's not a spot where I'm really looking to take a center. Um, but again, if we're talking in a vacuum here, I'd still take the other 10 guys I have personally ranked above him. Um, either because they have really yep, similar same. projections for me, but are, you know, five to six years younger, or they just, uh, similar projections, but cover more categories, um, offer a little bit more shot volume, if you can believe it, than Zibanejad, uh, and maybe help out with hits and block shots as well, where Mika isn't going to give you a whole lot. So, um, yeah, again, not a knock on advantage yet at all. Um, more so just, that's how good the top 10 centers are. They're pretty much, you know, 10 centers, 10 skaters that I would rank in the top 20 overall for, for skaters. So, um, yeah, just tough, tough competition. Yeah. ADP would pretty much agree with you as well. Right. I mean, if you take a look at it, um, we've got six guys in the top 12. So six guys in the first round. Uh, being drafted here we'll talk about in a minute but number eight on our list is tim stutzel uh i'm the lowest uh at 13 beebs is the highest at six dylan in the middle again at number eight um i guess i'll start since i was the lowest on him i, I absolutely love tim stutzel um don't get me wrong i i'm a little bit concerned that you know last year he shot 17 percent. the year previous he shot 12 percent. i i feel like there's probably a little bit of regression coming in. I wouldn't be surprised if he settles in a little bit closer to 14%. Uh, the on-ice shooting percentage, 11.3, I think is pretty reasonable. So the assist totals could be, uh, you know, staying around 50. But I think the one issue is last year he played 21 minutes, over 21-15 a game. Um, Josh Norris missed, like, the entire season. They didn't really have a lot of center depth behind Stitzel. Uh, and, and I think that, there's a pretty reasonable expectation that his minutes come down a little bit. Uh, obviously he cemented himself as a, you know, true bona fide number one center an absolute stud. They're going to give him as many minutes as possible, but I wouldn't be shocked if Josh Norris eats into it. I think it's kind of tough to look all the way back at the small five game sample size when Josh Norris was healthy at the start of last season, but Zaman or Stutzel, excuse me, was averaging 18 and a half minutes per game in those five games. I don't think it's going to be that drastic, but even if he loses a couple minutes uh, to Norris this season, I think it could have a huge impact. Again, I've got him as my 13th best center. I don't think that that's uh, too far, you know, far out there considering, like we said, there's so many good centers. I'm just not a hundred percent sold that he's going to be able to replicate exactly what he did last year. Although it is worth mentioning, he is 22 years old. This mm -hmm. is really you know, I, I did some age curve work in the off season and 22, 23 is when these guys, you know, start to take off. So um, I don't think it's out of the range of outcomes for him to build off what he did last year, but I do think he could be hard pressed to play 21 minutes this season. Changed my mind. Beebs, you were the highest on Timmy. 
Uh, Stu at sixth overall. Why do you like Stu so much this year? All right. So as you guys know, I'm a big second half guy of the previous season. Shows us trends of things that could happen. Realistically, you could grab any chunk, but that's a nice chunk to grab. And last year, Timmy Stu, Brock, you mentioned it. Of course, he was just absolutely munching ice. But he had 51 points, 21 goals, and 30 assists in his final 40 games played, 129 shots on net. That would be good for about 260 shots on goal and 102 points across an 80-game season. As well, he also pounded back 30 pims during that time. So if we're going to talk about category fillers, he's out there with Brady TK. So I think that that turns into some scrum, and he clearly has a little bit of, of tough side or tough guy in him. Um, one thing that about the josh norris effect i do think that that might actually help him a little bit in the way that tim stutzel was facing every team's top defenseman every single shift he took because who else do you have to watch in ottawa um or who else did you have to watch realistically down the middle and now i think josh norris demands attention we've seen him score 30 plus goals before um so this could free up tim a little bit if he loses a minute of ice time it might be a less grindy less you know might be facing the other team's second pair defense which uh who knows who knows that's pretty dirty line also tim as you mentioned 22 on the rise so is brady tk is winger so are basically all those pieces in ottawa you guys know i'm very very big on them um i i just i think that he has true 100 point potential this year if he could only keep playing the way he has in the second half he did the same thing the year before i believe he had 41 points in his last 37 games the year before so both years he's been a slow starter and he's got and he's flirted with 90 points. And uh, so if he could just put it together, easier said than done. But I would love to see Tim Stu, you know, I, that's why I kind of had him above the, the Barkovs, the, the, the Zbinijad. Just I think he is a true 100 point potential, if not more this year. And at 22, sky's kind of the limit. Um, he's got Chitrin, Sanderson, Chabot all fueling that Ottawa offense. And I just, I think that. We're going to go on potential. I think you can get basically the floor with this guy with a couple of the other guys behind him. So you might as well shoot for the stars with Tim Stu. D anything to add on Stutzel? Uh, I, I agree. Like I, you know, I had him obviously ranked about the first two guys we talked about here is advantage uh, and Barkov. I, I think he offers, um, way more goal scoring upside than Barkov does. And similar to his advantage ad, uh, I think his shot volume uh, should and probably will continue to improve. He's at that point in his career where, uh, you know, ice time or not, you expect the shooting rates to improve going into his age 22 season, uh, which is super exciting. And obviously that could uh, help offset the fact that he shot 17% last year, career 14% shooter. And I mean, some of the other guys on this list are 17, 18% shooters for their career. So um, it's not out of, it's not, uh, too wild to expect in, um, you know, the NHL that we've seen over the last few seasons that he'd be able to repeat that, but Beeb's already alluded to, you know, on pace for 260 shots over the second half of the season. So, um, yeah, I think that'll trend up and it'll help offset any regression he sees in that or any dip in ice time. Uh, I do think this is going to be a very, uh, top six heavy team. So I'll, I don't expect Norris to eat into it all that much, uh, Brock. And again, we're talking about a guy that's played eight games over the last year and a half. So, um, not totally concerned about Norris eating into his minutes or his usage. So, uh, I, I yeah, I like him a lot. And uh, on top of it, all else, Beef's talked about Pims. He bangs. He's got 114 hits last year, 125 the year before. Certainly nothing to scoff at. Um, and I believe the second most hits of anyone we'll talk about, aside from JT Miller, if he gets a shout out. So uh, tons and tons of value here. Just 22 years old. Sky is is definitely the limit. We start to agree a little bit more as we head towards the top five centers. Number seven, Elias Pedersen. Uh, Dylan and I both have him at seven, and Biebs has him coming in at number nine. 
overall, he's being drafted 29.1, and his position does uh, the 10th highest center being drafted. Pedersen obviously just took off last year, right? Bit of a slow start, and then just obviously was amazing throughout the course of the season. 39 goals, 63 assists, career high, 102 points, nearly doubling uh, his previous career high. Um, I mean, maybe not double, he didn't get 120 points, but close enough, 102 <laughs> points. It was absolutely outstanding. Career high in sh- uh, shots, which was great to see, 257. The shot, the shooting percentage was actually lower than his career average. I think that obviously is, is to be expected when you're firing that many pucks on net, but uh, pretty much career highs across the board, time on ice, everything you look at, it was career highs for Elias Pedersen. Uh, this is a guy who, you know, it, it was, I guess, a little bit of a long time coming, right? We were waiting for this, wait for this, wait for this, and he finally exploded. Uh, just an absolutely outstanding season. It was pretty much, you know, great the entire year. Uh, but if you take a look just at kind of how he finished the season, it was just absolutely insane. Uh, just went on an absolute heater, basically, from, from the middle of February on. 36 points in his final 27 games. I mean, he was just absolutely dynamite. Really no reason to think that he he can't replicate this, right? Like the increase in shot volume, the increase in ice time go hand in hand. And, and as long as he's munching that much ice uh, again this season, there's really no reason to expect him not to to be up over 250 shots. Yet again, the on-ice shooting percentage of 14.3 is the only real concern. Um, but even if it, you know if his assist totals drop a little bit, if he's if he's tucking 40 goals uh, or close to 40 goals, he's still going to be one of the most valuable centers. Uh, this season. So D uh, I'm sure I covered most of it. You also have them at seven, anything to add on Elias Patterson, why you like him in your top seven this year? No, I, I think you nailed it. Um, he has, I, I truly believe based off the shot volume he showed last year, about an 85 point floor, if he is healthy, which is just outstanding, especially when you talk about the goals that you can expect, but yeah, super positive to see him um, jump up the shot volume over 60 shots last season. Uh, it's just, outstanding really and a a big shock like that was the one thing that we thought was always going to hold him back uh, from being one of the you know true elite players of the fantasy game um so yeah that was great to see and not only increase the volume but like you said be so close to his career norms at shooting 52 percent on the year so yeah i think his floor is just through the roof and uh like you talked about the ceiling maybe that is what we saw last year with the 63 assists um but yeah just uh for me um, that floor and that certainty with the upside he still brings just is enough to edge him over the other guys we've talked about so far. Beebs, you're pretty much right there. Anything to add on Elias? No, I think for me, it's just uh, the reason why I guess for, and it could be a mistake why I have, you know, Tim Stu a bit ahead of him. It's the surrounding cast. I just, uh, I, I like the pieces that roll with Tim Stu, but a little bit more than I like Anthony Bolivier um and and whoever else and if they decide to go kuzmanko on that line it depends if they put him with jt miller um yada yada but no i think if you get elias Pedersen, Pedersen, you're getting an absolute stud and one thing i want to add on this guy's a freak if you have shorthanded points or shorthanded goals in, in your league that's very f- few and far between and not we're not in any way including that in our list but um he has actually led the league in in shorthanded points three of the last four nhl seasons and goals um in two of the last four i believe so if you do have those, it's a little little nice add-on for a guy who is flirting with 100 points and should do so again this year. Number six, this is where we start to creep into the first round and, and the centers just are going off the board left and right. We have Tage Thompson. I have him at six. D has him at six. Beebs right behind us at seven. Uh, Tage Thompson is is an interesting case, right? Like, I mean, he was just a nobody for, for so many years and now every single night the Buffalo Sabres are in action. He's seemingly... Uh, making these 
outstanding plays last year, 47 goals, 47 assists, 94 points, building off of what was already a productive year in 2022. He was productive in 2022. Last year, we talked about him being a sleeper at center because he was going like 130, 140. And we we're like, this makes no sense. The guy scored 38 goals and 30 assists, uh, 30 assists last year. And he just doubled down. It was just unbelievable. Now he's going close to the first round. Current ADP is 12.6. He's the fifth center off the board. Um, yeah, he shot 15 and 15.9% over the last two years. The shot volume last year was insane, 295 shots. If he can keep that rolling, there's just so much to like about Tage. There's really no stopping this train. Uh, the one thing that I really like about uh, about Tage is, you know, similar to kind of what Beams was just alluding to with, with Tim Stutzel and, and Elias Pedersen. Tage Thompson's found himself two great line mates, and, and it's a line that basically played together all of last season with Jeff Skinner uh, and Alex Tuck. They played together for, for the majority of the year. Their underlying metrics are absolutely outstanding. They were dominant night in and night out. And they're going to be rolling those three back out there again this season. One of the best defensemen in the NHL in the back end with Rasmus Dahlin. There's so much to like about Tage Thompson's game. Um, I will admit that I think it's going to be tough for me to spend a first-round pick or, or, or the 13th overall pick on him. Uh, again, we, we've talked uh, or we've preached before about trying to wait to draft centers if possible and try to grab guys who have wing eligibility. Uh, Tage Thompson being a strict center uh, at, at 12.6, I think I'm probably not going to have a lot of Tages on my team, but every single week I'm playing against Tage Thompson, I'm going to be worried because he can just absolutely take over a week. Uh, Beebs, you are a little bit lower on him, but again, we're all kind of around the same spot. Are you spending a late first, early second round pick on Tage this year? Uh, I personally, like, I kind of tried to put myself in your brain when you were talking there saying you couldn't do it. I don't know. It'd be really hard. So at that point, you're kind of putting all your eggs in that Tage basket. But I do, as I look at some just underlying numbers that could realistically boost Tage's stats forward this year, which could be good. He only averaged, not only, but he averaged 1835 time on ice last year. We've seen a, a lot of these guys we're going to talk about are 20 minute per night guys, if not more. And if something happens in Buffalo where they have to lean on him for, you know, over one third of the game and give him close to 21 minutes, we saw what almost a minute of added ice could do for Tage last year. Obviously he added the shots, but he added nine more goals and 17 more assists with that 50 seconds of, of average ice time. So not to say there's any comparison directly if you were to add a minute or two, but if it, it could clearly help his stats. That could be what pushes him closer to that hundred point mark. Um, I guess the reason I don't even have him really low. The reason why I have him at seven was just, I'm a little bit worried what happens if he goes back even to the below a point per game uh, type guy he was last year. I don't see it happening. I give it almost 90% chance that it doesn't happen. Like you said, he has those wingers. They're solidified. And then it's clearly something right going there in Buffalo. Buffalo is a team a lot like Ottawa too, where I think that the core is only getting older, only getting better and, it's going to change a lot of people's opinions on te teams that you shouldn't draft guys from um, Buffalo and Arizona are clear standouts for me of teams that people just stay away from. Cause it's like, Oh, classic Buffalo. Um, they're good. And they score goals now. Um, so if Tage can get over that 300 shot mark, who knows? And uh, realistically he's proven he can, he shot 15% and 15.9% the last two years. He's kind of, given us two years to feed off that. And it, if he can stay up there, he's been a 13.3% shooter his whole career in Buffalo. So put it at 14% up a little bit of ice and we are getting very similar stats. And if you get similar stats, that's good for the seventh best center and probably like 14th best player for me. Do you have anything to add on Tage? 
Uh, not too much. I, I think I it would be a tough call whether to take him on the swing. It's it's nice with where he's going. You probably get the decision of uh, you know who you're going to pair him with and uh, what position you're going to go after to kind of compensate for the fact that you're taking a center in the first round. But uh, there's not too many guys that have 50-50 potential. Tage is certainly one of them. I, I agree with Beavs. I think his shot volume could continue to grow this year just by the matter of fact that he should get more ice time. The way this roster is constructed, uh, I was you know thought all of last season they used their bottom six all too much. Um, I think if they really want to contend for a playoff spot this year, they really need to uh, lean heavily on their top six, specifically their top two centermen. Uh, so yeah, I, I think he should, and most likely will get more ice this year, um, which could be all he needs to really crack that 50 goal plateau. So for me, um, yeah, I, I think he, he's right on the edge. Uh, at the end of the day, there are some wingers with very similar profiles to Tage. Um, that is a good chance they'll be available as well. Um, at that turn there, if not, maybe one of the five guys that we'll talk about uh, ahead of him here. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably take those three or four wingers, the, five guys going ahead of him here, Makar all above him. So he'd be right around the 12th pick for me. So uh, it'd be a tough call, and it would just depend how it all plays out in front of me. Yeah, Buffalo certainly loves their bottom six. They love Kyle Ocposo. Uh, and, it, yeah, just eats into their ice time in the, in, in the top six. But the one thing that's really nice before we move on to the next guy is Tage Thompson the last two seasons has proven to be an absolute beast at 5v5 as well. He's not like one of those guys that you have to rely on insane power play production is 5v5 numbers are outstanding as i mentioned he plays on a great line that dominates puck possession uh and, and dominates the scoring chances so that's you know is something that should continue in the 2024 season moving on we have the number five center he was a sleeper i think last year a breakout he was he was deep we, 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 we he's boy yeah we, we i think we said that he is going to be a first round pick next season if all goes well i said that it, it, it <laughs> On the show, it was said by D, and, uh, and and he is. Well, I mean, borderline. You were kind of wrong because his ADP is 12.7. So technically, oh. he's a second rounder, but you were very close. <laughs> I he said the... it felt like a year where there would be a shifting of the guard in fantasy hockey, and Jack Hughes would be a major part of that. And uh, nail was hit on the head, I have to say. I don't toot my own horn too often, but uh, it's nice to get one right every once in a while, you know? Nail, meat, hammer. Uh, he is the sixth center being drafted right now. We have him at number five all Three of us have him ranked at five, so we might as well not talk about him, and let's just move on. Uh, just kidding. Let's gloat a little bit, D. Uh, we'll start with you. Obviously, I thought he was about to cry. <laughs> uh, 43 goals, 56 assists, 99 points last year. The shot volume was just outrageous, 336 shots. It was terrific. Uh, playing close to 20 minutes a night. The on-ice shooting percentage is extremely reasonable. Uh, you know, the power play production was, 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 was extremely reasonable. Like there's just really no signs uh, of slowing down here for Jack Hughes. You know, to me, uh, it feels like the Jack Hughes train is just getting started um, and, it, and it's just going to keep plowing through. So um, to me, the one thing that's nice, especially on Yahoo, is he does have left wing eligibility. So like if it, if it comes down to it at that, tw- that uh, 12, 13 turn and I'm staring at Tage, um, and Jack Hughes, I mean, you could probably make the case you should take both of them. Uh, but Hughes, certainly that left-wing eligibility is is terrific. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I won't be hesitating to take him even earlier than 12. I don't think I, I absolutely love what Hughes brings and that left-wing eligibility is, is super juicy. But uh, yeah, you nailed it last year, D. Go off, son. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if he carries wing eligibility, he should legitimately be a top five pick in your league. I think this is a 22-year-old skater with a 100-point floor. Like, that is insane. Like, because to your point, Brock, 
Um, more than sustainable, both shooting and on-ice shooting percentage. Uh, we saw it for half a season in 21-22, uh, and then we saw him stay healthy for a full season last year. So that was the final big question mark that he had to kind of check off his list for us to really believe in him. And um, yeah, I think this is the, the last time where we're going to be talking about Jack Hughes' ADP as being slightly outside of the first round. I think he's going to be a top five pick uh, every year here on to infinity until his prime starts to decay. Um, I, I just think he's fantastic. I think if he ever saw uh, a little bit of puck luck and was a little bit fortunate with both the shooting, personal shooting and on-ice shooting percentage, like I shot 12.8% last year on 336 shots and still got 43 goals while shooting 12.8%. So even if he shoots 14, 15%, which is what most of these guys do that we're talking about on the regular, and he has an unbelievable shot. We've all seen it. Um, we're talking about 55, even like Austin Matthews type 60 goal upside, right? On top of the fact that this is a guy who's giving you a 50 to 55 assist point floor or assist floor, uh, throwing a little bit of puck on the on ice. Like this is honestly, for me, the only player outside of, um, Leon Dreisaitl that can potentially produce a stat line that's, uh, in line with Connor McDavid. So, uh, that's why I'm huge on Jack Hughes this year, as big as I was last year. Uh, I love where he's going with his ADP. And and certainly, like I said, if he carries winger eligibility too, I just think the floor is ridiculous. The fact that he could still potentially be getting better going into his age 22 season. is just scary to think of. Um, So yeah, ridiculous floor. uh, And honestly, like you couldn't even tap or cap his upside. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. The kid is uber talented, great situation. Uh, Nothing not to like about Jack Hughes this year. This might be the greatest turnaround in the history of sports podcasting because you were a jack hughes hater two years ago and now you are the leader of the jack hughes hype train uh absolutely incredible i didn't like him in redraft leagues going into 2021 and that was spot on he had 31 points in 56 games but uh you know i'm not stagnant in my views i re-examine my work people can change especially 19 year old hockey players and uh he certainly turned a corner into that third year and um yeah sometimes you gotta recognize when people correct their mistakes and uh, praise them for it. No, but really he just kind of filled out his 140 pound frame a little bit better. And that was all he really needed. So greatness recognizes greatness. Beebs, anything to add on Jack Hughes? No, I just realized though, that it's an absolute shame that both him and Mitch Marner had to finish the year at 99 points. Uh, these poor dudes. I mean, both of them easily could go over it this year, but uh, poor Jack, I'm sure he'll do it with another 350 shot season this year. I love him. I think he's an absolute stud. Yeah, the one thing too that we I guess we didn't really touch on, you mentioned it, you know, quickly in passing there, D, is this we talked about it actually quite a bit last week. Is this is such a good hockey team, right? Oh, so uh, good. like his surrounding cast is absolutely insane. So many good wingers. Like it, you know, give me a full year of him and Timo Meyer firing the puck seven hundred times on net and it, it, it's gonna be such a fun team to watch, which is like Tyler Tafoli's you know, kicking they're around not, now. Yeah, they're not your dad's New Jersey Devils, right? Like, they are a legitimately fun team Scott to watch Stevens. now. And yeah, you don't but... have to worry about the fact that he might be, um, you know, he may do with the wingers he got last year, but a lot of times uh, the premier uh, talent available on the wings, uh, you know, whether it been earlier in the season uh, or later in the year once Timo Meyer came, they generally were playing with Nico Heischer. So, uh, yeah, that's, again, just another feather in his cap this year that uh, he should have really first-line quality wingers playing with him regardless because of the depth that team has. Yeah, I will take uh, the back end of the draft. If I don't, if I can't get first overall, give me 12, give me 11, give me Jack Hughes, let's go. Uh, okay, next on the list we have Austin Matthews. I have him at four, Beebs has him at four. D has him at three. Uh, very close to cracking our top three. 
Uh, but Austin Matthews currently, uh, similar to, to what we have, he is the fourth center being drafted. Uh, he is currently, his ADP is 7.7. Um, so again, just to go back to the article I wrote, the best value picks in, in each round, while I, I think Jack Hughes certainly is that at the 12th overall, Austin Matthews is probably that guy at seven. This is a guy that was, you know, uh, you know, some people might have drafted him over Connor McDavid a season ago. It was a debate. Uh, he, he was definitely among the top three, and now he's falling behind the likes of Pashanak and, and Matthew Kachuk. And I, 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 don't, I just don't really get it, right? Like, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, this is probably the best goal scorer in the world. Uh, last year, just forty goals. Just um, he dealt with a hand wrist injury throughout the majority of the season. He, he was open about it. He talked about how it, it was hindering him. Uh, so yeah, like whatever we can call him 75% Austin Matthews was still able to score 40 goals. Uh, he's an absolute freak. He can score uh, as, as well as anybody. I, I think probably still, you know, him and McDavid are, are the odds on favorites to win uh, the rocket Richard and Matthews is just a stud. Um, so yeah, eighth overall pick. If you could give me Austin Matthews, I would take it. Twelfth overall pick, you give me Jack Hughes, I would take it. They're both uh, tremendous values in the first round, which is pretty surprising. I think, you know, outside of Toronto, like this guy's, you know, he's still going to go top three in, in Toronto, you know, based uh, drafts. But like outside of Toronto, like this guy's going to be such a steal this year. Uh, led the NHL in goals in in twenty twenty one with forty one. Led the NHL in goals in twenty twenty two with sixty. Uh, he had 106 points two years ago in his slightly down season, 40 goals, 45 assists, 85 points. The shot volume is insane. Love the NHL in shots in 2021 and 2022 as well. I don't think we need to talk too much about uh, Austin Matthews. He's an obvious stud. But D, you're a resident Maple Leafs fan, uh, so take take it away. Yeah, just prioritizing goals a little bit here um, over, I mean, I, I don't think we're making any spoilers, but Nathan McKinnon obviously coming in at number three. Um and, and yeah, as a, sorry, I just have to say, cause it's easier to, to say why I had him above him, but um, yeah, I think the shot volume, the level of shot volume that he's achieved really in the last few years. Now he's at a point where if he shoots at his career average, um, we're looking at a 50 goal floor. So yeah, you talked about it last year was a bit of a down year. Um, we know that, you know, puck luck year to year there's it's some of it is just uncontrollable, um, but it's really nice when you can actually tie it to something like an injury that we know that he's, uh, been given a clean bill of health on coming into the to the preseason. So, um, yeah, just not, obviously just the fact that he could potentially score the most goals uh, out of anyone in the league is is quite an attractive piece for your fantasy team. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, that's why I have him slightly above Nathan McKinnon, who uh, is probably going to come away with 15 to 20 more points than Austin Matthews will. Uh, I will take the bet on on the goals. So yeah, obviously, Beebs, you are a resident Colorado Avalanche fan. We've got McKinnon coming in at number three. You have him at three. I have him at three. D has him obviously at four. Last year, played just 71 games, missed 11 games, still put up 111 points, 42 goals, 69 assists, 366 shots, which is was his career high. The craziest thing is his previous career high was 365, one less shot. It actually led the league that year, but did not a season ago. Just, a, you know, kind of the year we'd all been waiting for from McKinnon, right? He's had some really good years, 99 points in 2019, 93 points in 2020. Uh, you know, the really good shortened season, 65 points in 48 games. But last year, you know, that was like peak McKinnon. This is what we've been waiting for. The Avs, still a very talented team. Uh, very good wingers around him. Miko Rant and Valerie Nishushkin, Arturi Lekkinen, really 
uh, seems to, to have a lot of chemistry with those guys and, and put it uh, on full display last year. So why do you have McKinnon ranked ahead of Matthews for other reasons besides you're an Avalanche fan? Yeah, well, um, no, that would be super unprofessional if that was my only reason. Um, but uh, I wouldn't put it past me at the same time. But no, um, I I honestly sat and looked at this one. I went and took a shower. I went for a walk. I thought about it for probably about 48 hours and I, I jumped them back and forth. So it, it just kind of shows that there we are, you know, we're, we're working with two aces here. So it's really hard to, to go one way or another, but uh, D kind of mentioned it in his, I just think you're going to get a little bit better point production out of McKinnon last year. He did put up career numbers, but he did that with a very depleted avalanche roster. There were certain nights where they were putting out guys who had like 20 career AHL games on the ice and he had to play alongside them. Obviously he's not on their line, but there was a lot of times where it was realistically just him or when he was hurt there, Miko Rantanen. Um, and I just think if it's a big, 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 big if, because we haven't seen 82 games played since 2018, 2019. But if he can do that, we could be looking at a 130 point guy potentially. And this is both guys are amazing. If you want the goals, you go the Matthews route. If you want the points and the, the extra assists, you can go the McKinnon route. Either way, you're going to be set up for success. You're going to get a bajillion shots, plus 350 likely from both sides. Um, I, I just think that Colorado kind of had a down year last year, and regardless of the results in the playoffs, they just were never healthy. So with a full healthy roster, with Bowen Byram taking a step forward, which also means that Colorado always has Byram or McCarr on the ice with McKinnon, that could really help push him to that that pretty much just ridiculous 120 um, or even higher point mark. Uh, with that said, like I said, if you want goals, go AM because I totally expect 50-plus from Matthews. Brock alluded to it. I think he is the greatest goal scorer in the world at the moment. No offense to Ovi. Um, but at the moment, he is the guy I want. And it's actually ridiculous that Matthews had this injury to his wrist and still managed to shoot 325 pucks on net so uh an actual healthy austin matthews could give you 400 shots which is incredible um so it's uh you know it, it's tough and you got to choose uh either or here splitting hairs kind of yeah oh, we're doing even we're splitting like the smallest thing you could ever split in the world right now um splitting atoms out here there we go yep we are splitting atoms over mckinnon mckinnon's yeah, I, uh... current adp is 3.9 which makes him the number three center off the board which means the number one and two center off the board also the number one and two picks off the board number one connor mcdavid duh and number two leon dreisaitl uh let's just start with connor mcdavid Last year, there was obviously a little bit of talk, like, you know, maybe there is a, a case to take Leon over Connor strictly because he has the left wing eligibility, which is still the case. But I, I think we can just stop talking about that now. Like, Connor McDavid, if you get number one, you take Connor McDavid, move on, see you later. His current ADP is 1.0, which means like he just doesn't ever go second. He is 1.0. <laughs> that is it. That's that is so all. Funny. You take him, move on. Goodbye. There's I no discussion. It. This man is an absolute freak. 64 goals led the NHL last year. 89 assists led the NHL last year. 153 points obviously led the NHL last year. He has mm. led the NHL in points in three straight seasons. He's led the NHL in assists in two out of the last three seasons. Uh, Let's just go over these numbers for a second. Reminder, 2021, he played 56 games. 
He had 105 points in 56 games. Followed up with 123 points in 80 games. Like, wow, this guy's pretty good. Last year, 153 points. Like, are you kidding me? These are these yeah. are video game numbers. It's 71 absolute... power play points is like double everyone else. What the he hell? He made Ryan Nugent Hopkins a 100-point player. Like, it's absolutely <laughs> insane. Like, yeah. he the is The last time so we saw good. point totals like this, goalies were wearing pillows for pads. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's... It's insane. It's like to your point, Brock, there was a discussion and we talked about it on the podcast that in some leagues it could make sense to take Leon over him because to that point in his career, um, he had either at times outperformed McDavid in, in overall points or at least finished uh, within his shadow, right? Within five to 10 points of, of where McDavid ended off. Um, but last year, they just spent a little bit more time apart than usual. And Leon, while still being uh, elite, Connor is just quite clearly in his own tier. And uh, for the first time, we saw a really sizable gap in their point total, which is insane to think when Leon has the second most points in the league with 128. Um, but, but yeah, Connor, 25 points, clear that at 153. And um, there was so much talk about how he looked to improve as a goal scorer. The fact that you're the best player in the world, best player of your generation, you're still looking to improve in an aspect where you've already had so much success. It's crazy. But yeah, not only did he fire... Uh, 352 shots last year, by far the most in his career. He also had the best uh, best year in terms of finishing and uh, capitalizing on, on his chances at 18.2. percent And it was a lot of uh, talked about taking a lot of um, a lot of uh, influence from Austin Matthews and the different release points that Matthews likes to incorporate into his game to keep goaltenders off balance. And about how these goalies are so good that it's not always about getting it into the place where you can shoot it the hardest and the most accurate, but sometimes it's about the way it's about getting a, a shot off that uh, in the quickest way, that's, you know, not quite a, expected or just a little bit trickier to read in terms of where you're aiming the puck. So just little things like that, that he really put a focus on in the off season. And <laughs> now all of a sudden he is a rocket Richard threat on, on the daily as opposed uh, on in addition to everything else that he is. So yeah, he's just unbelievable. Um, I'm sorry that Leon isn't getting more love. Cause I really do think Leon is in his own tier by himself too. Uh, I think we got Connor in the first tier, Leon in the second, uh, and then probably McKinnon, Matthews, Hughes together in that in that third tier. But um, yeah, just guys that seemingly have a floor of about 120 points, 50 goals, 70 assists each. Uh, and obviously you like McDavid's upside uh, a little bit more than Leon's at this point. So yeah, you can't go wrong with either of these two, uh, but McDavid is literally a cheat code. And if your league wanted to just kick him out of the player pool, entirely i i wouldn't be I get totally it. shocked or opposed to it because there is absolutely no one on his level and i don't think just having the person uh get the last pick in the second round is enough of a penalty it's just not it is a massive advantage to have him on your team uh and he is very much worth taking a center in the first round yeah, yeah you like get... if you if you made a team so if you if you have a 12 team league and you took Connor mcdavid out of the player player pool and you made a 13th team that just had Connor mcdavid I think he would win weeks by himself sometimes. Like he wouldn't even like he wouldn't even lose every game. He would be yep. fine. He would. He and would it's always could, fantasy playoffs. You could yeah. let the rest of the league draft the rest of their team and then fill out your roster with whatever's left on on free agents and and easily still make the playoffs. Especially if you listen to the DFO mm-hmm. fantasy podcast, you'd be just fine. You'd make sure you'd get all the sleepers yeah. and you would. Yeah, that That'd would be, be a great challenge. Experiment. If anyone wants to invite me into their home league to do, yeah, that, let's I, do I it, please. I would be. Yeah. That would be the Absolutely. greatest thing ever. We should just also run that boys. Challenge insane i saw i saw 97 play last year in detroit he didn't get one point all game how does he have 151 point season and not do it in front of me maybe i have to follow around for 82 games he won't get a point that's that's the that's the real answer um i don't want to admit that it was the red wings or elite i think uh 
no, I think it was the curse of Biebs. Yeah. Well, can we just go back just for a second? Like, so we talked about how um, he wanted to be a better goal scorer. Like, okay, yeah, like, I, know, <laughs> I, I think I could score more goals. He increased his career high by 20 goals. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's bananas. He's just it's so good. But well, um, I, increasing your career high in shots by 48. And then on top of that, uh, still somehow having the best finishing year of your career is just. It's just Connor McDavid things. It doesn't make any sense, but no, that's what he the, does. The numbers do not compute. Um, nope. Prior to that uh, season, the previous five seasons, Leon Dreisaitl did have uh, 14, no, excuse me, uh, seven, t- 11 more goals than, than Connor at that point. So it's like, okay, maybe he's just a little bit of a better goal scorer. He's got the left-wing eligibility. We could just stop even thinking about it now, uh, as we said, but, Let's not let's let, let's shed a little bit of light on Leon Dreisaitl. Last year, fifty-two goals, seventy-six assists, hundred and twenty-eight points, led the NHL in power play goals with thirty-two. Added an additional thirty power play assists for sixty-two power play points. Uh, shot twenty-one point one percent, which is bananas. He is an eighteen percent career shooter, which is bananas. Um, yeah, like there's we talked about it like there's just not much to say about these two they're clearly 1a and 1 or 1a and, and, and 2a like there there's no other questions um they are in their own tiers yeah we appreciate they, that personally yeah like they're, they're they're super good so we're not going to talk too much about them like that's just how good they are their adps you know recognize that they are the top two players and you don't need us to tell you that so yeah uh let's move on Really quickly before we take a quick break, let's talk about the Betway bet of the day. It's a player that did not crack our top 10 center, so we're not going to get a whole lot of time to cover him on today's show. We promise that we will talk about Connor Bedard a ton, and, and we might dedicate an entire show to Connor Bedard and, and where you should take him and what to expect from him. But you'll get a little bit of taste. Maybe rookies. Uh, <laughs> yes, you, yeah, you'll get a little bit of taste of, of today. So let's take a look at the Betway bet of the day over under 31 and a half goals at minus 115 uh, on both sides of the coin for Connor Bedard in his rookie season. Um, I'll just go first because I'm not sure if, if you guys are going to take the over or not, but I'm going to. Um, you know, there's obviously he's a generational talent. There, there's lots of comparisons to Connor McDavid. Um, you know, he, he he seems to be a better goal scorer than Connor McDavid was uh, at the time that Connor McDavid broke into the NHL. So I took a look at what Connor McDavid did in his rookie season and another elite goal scorer when, in his rookie season in Austin Matthews. And McDavid was on a 29 goal pace. Matthews was on a 40 goal pace. If you take the difference there, you get 34 and a half goals. I think it's a fair exercise. At the end of the day, we're just guessing, but this kid's. You know, we we just saw him score a hat trick in, in in the in the rookie camp. Uh, immediately, just scores a hat trick. It's fine. His release is insane. You know, I want to be, I want Bedard on my team this year. Um, you know, I think I have him ranked right around his ADP. But when it comes down to draft day, I, I'm probably not going to be afraid to reach on him because uh, I think that like the the upside outweighs the the, the negative side here because. If you're right about him, if he is great, he's a league-winning pick. And if you're wrong, I think you could probably make up for it. He's going around the 40th pick. Um, so I want to be on the right side of things with Bedard here in his rookie season. We've seen these guys come in and have great years. Like I said, Matthew scored 40 goals. If, if Bedard comes in and is capable of doing that, then um, you know some good things. I, I don't think the surrounding cast is great, but he might be good enough to overcome. So I will say over 31 and a half goals this year. Beebs, what says you? 
I have to take the under um, because I might be one of the biggest Bedard haters out there. And I'm not actually a hater. I just think that, you know, we got to pump brakes a little. We're talking about a team that finished 32nd in the NHL last year in goals for. So if he scores 31 and a half, that's going to be nearly 16 to 17% of their goals last season. Obviously, we expect more with a generational talent like that, but it's just the pieces around him. I don't really believe that. You know, he like say anything happens to Taylor Hall, he's now stuck with Taylor Radish, and uh, um, uh, I don't know. Like we're talking guys that should be th- uh, bottom line players on other teams. I think he could definitely hover around that uh that thirty goal mark, and if he does, you know what? That's a massive accomplishment in your first year. We don't see that from a ton of rookies, but it's just the pieces around him. I think Vegas knows that people love Connor Bedard. Vegas always knows what's up. And because of that, I I, I could easily see him finishing at 30, finishing at 29. But to do that on one of the league's worst power plays last season, as well as one of the lowest scoring teams, I just don't see enough pieces there to help our boy Connor Bedard. He's still only 18 years old, still only weighs about 130 pounds. So it's not going to be a very, it'll be a, a smooth transition, I'm sure. But he weighs I more mean, than 130 he's, pounds. He's, yeah, yeah, I was just going to say, let it be known he weighs does. like 185. This isn't Jack. <laughs> you said his, that like, uh, serious of a token. Yeah, his, uh, <laughs> his NHL.com may say 184, but I'm saying differently. But um, regardless, um, I, I just think he's going to have some trouble on nights when we have, you know, top shutdown pair defensemen against him. And uh, and he's the only option out there um, that they have to stop. Really, let it be known that Max Domi played on this team last year, and this team yeah. was worse last year than it is this year. And he's oh, yeah. just Max Domi. Max Domi was on pace for 25 goals when he was in Chicago last year. So we're only talking about like six more goals from Connor generational talent than Max Domi last year. It's yeah, he's never played a game in the I'm, show. I'm, Domi's like seven years in. That doesn't matter. Domi yeah. isn't Connor yeah, McDavid. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, D, are you with me? Or are you with Beebs? Pick a side I, here. I'm with you. I just the the prospect profile lends this to being a makeable bet. I've seen most projection systems, and again, it's incredibly hard to project rookies to do anything. But most of the models um, do have a finishing around 34, 35 goals. So we're getting a little bit of leeway on that. Um, it's not that many goals in today's NHL. You'd be surprised at some of the not so impressive names that potted that many goals last year. So um, yeah, I think he's going to play a lot um, and, you know, maybe Taylor Hall gets hurt. Sure. But I, I love that he's got a pass first winger to play with that has racked up 50, 60 assists in a year before. Um, and I think that bodes well for him, but yeah, just the profile. He's a shot first guy. Most people I think don't realize that they kind of want to just pigeonhole to the archetype of, of a Crosby and McDavid, a more kind of all around playmaking type, at least when they came into the league. Uh, yeah, Bedard like yeah, profile is much more of a goal scorer and a shot first player. Um, incredibly hard to find any sort of shot volume totals from the CHL, but uh, he does shoot at <laughs> yeah, a pretty ridiculous rate. Obviously, scores goals at an insane rate, and the shot is elite. So, I think he's going to be shooting the puck a lot. And I just have a hard time imagining him, you know, finishing with a shooting percentage much less than like 11, 12 percent with his talent. So, it's a it's it's tricky it's a good line and it's you know it's it's scary it's but a really good line yeah it's it's uh it's got me interested you know if it was like 35 i'm like nah he's got to have a good year he's got to get some puck like maybe or maybe one of those other guys has to take a step forward to help him out a little bit but uh and i would be more weary of his point totals like i don't think he's gonna have that many more assists than goals this year uh which is why i don't love him at his adp and redraft leagues especially just carrying uh straight center eligibility but 
Um, if you feel pretty solid in your team and you want to swing for the fences, I, I think that uh, it's it's totally fine betting on a player of his talent. But anyway, as far as the bet goes, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I'll just take the over. Let's ride. Uh, let's have some fun cheering for a, a generational talent all year long. So just to give you uh, full disclosure, the draft kit and, and all my projections will be released in the coming days. But I have projected at 36 goals. So that's over. Uh, and 35 assists. So like you said, he's he, more uh, goal heavy than assist heavy. But uh, I got him over. Let's see what happens. Let's ride. So that was the Betway bet of the day. Please play responsibly. It must be 19 years or older. Let's take a quick break. When we get back, we will talk about our sleepers. We will talk about our breakouts. We will talk about our bus. Enjoy a brief break. We will see you guys back here shortly. Baby, be my fire. Baby, be my flame. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to season nine, episode two of the dfo fantasy podcast as always we hope you guys enjoy those sweet sweet licks from the blue stones uh, you can find their music on spotify apple music youtube wherever else uh you can uh find good tunes you will find the blue stones uh 
let's get into it. We are going to get into uh, some of the best segments of the season. Like we literally nailed, uh, I want to say like 75% of these last year, just absolutely on the head. Uh, we got some repeat uh, appearances here, guys who are in the, still being slept on for some reason. And some guys that moved so far up that they are, are now uh, bust candidates. So uh, some interesting names to talk through here. Uh, I think we're going to get started off with the sleepers first, Brock. Does that sound right to you? That sounds right to me. All right. Uh, who are we going first? Where do we want to? You might as well start. Going? You're already talking. Yep. Go uh, crazy. That makes sense. All right. Well, uh, I will talk about a very familiar name to uh, DFO podcast listeners. If you are at all tuning in uh, to our show last season, specifically in the second half of last season. Uh, but I want to talk about Barrett Hayton, uh, a guy that uh, could easily slide into the breakout category as well. But considering that he is not even being drafted on average right now, uh, I decided that, therefore, he makes a, a fitting choice for my sleeper as well. Uh, like I said, if you listen to the podcast last season, you might recall that we fell in love with Hayton over the second half of the season. He was a tremendous value in DFS and one of the more productive waiver wire finds throughout the second half of last season. Uh, he received a promotion to the Coyotes' top line near the end of December uh, and certainly made the most of it. It took him a couple weeks to find his footing. Uh, but by the end of January, he had provided the Coyotes with a small beacon of hope on that top line alongside Keller uh, and Nick Schmaltz. They were fantastic together. All three of them enjoyed career years uh, from an individual standpoint. The Coyotes averaged 62 shot attempts, 33 scoring chances per 60 with the three of them on the ice last season. So they were a real problem at 5v5 and that production carried over to the power play as well. All three of these guys are on the cusp of the prime of their careers and are set to play big, big minutes together in all situations. Uh, and it's it's a little bit puzzling. The fantasy hockey community, respecting what Clayton Keller did last year, he's going 60th overall on average, but absolutely zero love for Barrett Hayton and not much for Nick Schmaltz either, nope. uh, whose ADP is around, I think, 170. Yep, uh, talking, unfortunately. Like I said, not even getting drafted on average. Over his last 35 years of the season, he scored 14 goals on 94 shots and added 15 assists for a total of 29 points while playing 19 minutes and 27 seconds a game. If you pace that out over 82 games, as we love to do, play the extrapolation game here on the DFO Fantasy Podcast, that would be good for 33 goals, 35 assists, 220 shots on goal over that full 82. And that's just if he's able to match his performance from last season. I would expect him to better those rates this year. He's just 23 years old, former fifth overall pick in the 2018 NHL entry draft. So he's got the draft pedigree you're looking for. Uh, and I think he's going to be one of the steals of the fantasy season. Just to say it again, does not even have an ADP more often than not. He is not being drafted. You can get him in the final round of your draft. Personally, I'll probably get him in the second or third last round. Just play a little bit safe in case you got another DFO podcast listener in your league. Uh, or me. You, yeah. And if you drafted already, uh, he's probably on free agents right now waiting to be picked up. So uh, he's going to be a, a terrific name to add to the bottom of your roster. Mm -hmm. We'll certainly be uh, shooting through his ownership uh, or his ownership will be shooting up through the first few weeks of the season. Uh, someone that is more than worthy of a late round flyer. Love Barrett Hayden going into this season. Yeah. The second half of last season was just insane, right? 29 points in his final 35 games, just outrageous. Prior to that, he had 14 points in his first 47 games. Like, so it was just a tale of two seasons for Hayden. And uh, yeah, once they kind of moved him up with, with Keller and Schmaltz, it was just game over. Uh, I, I really wanted to talk about him as my breakout uh, it didn't leave me many names left when, when you took him as a sleeper. I wasn't going to double down on him. I might as well just use my time now to talk about him. Yeah, 29 points in 35 games. I mean, close to a point-per-game player, uh, you know, in the second half of last season. 
And, uh, you know, me, I'm a big fan of lines that dominate on a nightly basis. And that was one of them, right? Like there's no, there wasn't a whole lot of love to go around in Arizona last year, but that line was super good on a night to night basis. Uh, you know, that little barn that they've got was tough to go into and, and play in. And this line did a great job and they should be together for a lot of the season. Um, and it should actually be easier for them to keep them together for the whole season because this is actually a team that did a pretty good job in the offseason. Like they got Logan Cooley to sign, which was a huge addition for them. Should be able to cement himself as their second line center. You bring in guys like Alex Kerfoot, Jason Zucker, bring back Nick Bugstad, Dumba, Sean Dursey, Stetcher on the back end. Capable of filling in on the top line as well. Absolutely. Like they, so they, they have a decent amount of talent now, like a lot more than they did a season ago. Um, and it should just afford them the luxury to keep these three together. And hopefully they pick up uh, exactly where they left off because uh, all three will be fantasy steals this year. But uh, let's could go- also help that power play as well. Um, not, I mean, nothing against Lawson Krauss, but he was taking that spot a lot. So if you toss someone in there like a Cooley or someone who could kind of, you know, be a shot first option, be a little bit better than, you know, some of those other options that can just help the whole, the whole feed. Absolutely. Uh, let's, go to, yeah. let's go to you, uh, your sleeper beeps. Yeah, no, I was, I was getting a little antsy here. Um, there was actually a ton of sleepers for center because like we mentioned, it's a super, super deep position, but one that absolutely slapped me in the face when I went by it was, uh, was a guy that was kind of working his way into our top 10 a few seasons ago. It's Elias Lindholm out in Calgary. And I believe it was actually last year that we were super high on him just because there's a guy named Jonathan Huber who was supposed to be chugging alongside of him. And he is, was one of the best playmakers in the league. One thing that happened to Calgary last year, though, was their season was just a tire fire, as we all know. Um, and their coach really didn't help the fantasy aspects of the players around him. He brought Pedersen's minute – or not sorry, not Pedersen. He brought Elias Lindholm – get my Elias's mixed up – brought Elias Lindholm's time on ice down almost Classic. a minute and a half from the season before. Season before, he had 42 goals, 40 assists for 82 points across 82 games. If you take a minute and a half away from a guy like that – there is reasons why he had 64 points in 80 games, add in a little bit of bad luck, take away 50 shots, and we're kind of right there with it. Um, add in the fact that Jonathan Huberto really just didn't do what anyone expected. Um, I expect Pedersen – or sorry, uh, I, mean, I got to stop going there. I, I'm just so excited about Pedersen from earlier. I got, um, but, no, I expect Lindholm to take a step closer to the 75-point range, 80-point range that we were kind of getting used to. And I didn't even mention it, but he's currently going at – the position of 141.2. So there are a lot of names that are a lot that have not really proven it in front of him. Um, he's, you know, he really is. We talk about goals. And when you get deeper into these 130s to 150s, you're looking at a lot of guys who have assist heavy seasons. You can't really find a 40 goal guy there in Elias Pedersen or in a lot. I'm just going to make a joke. Three, four, three. Oh my. I, I'm just getting so going on, on Lindholm here. Um, but yeah, I think that Huberto around him, I think a new coach in Craig Conroy and getting him back to 20 minutes time on, I should bring Lindholm kind of back to what we expect the year before. 141 is insane. That's uh, in 10 team leagues. He's almost not even like there's potential. He falls into free agency, which is just bonkers. Um, I think that he should be closer to the 100 range and uh, no one else is going to get better minutes in Calgary than this guy. He's going to be all over the power play. Um, he's going to be getting those those top end minutes that 
he really deserves. So um, I expect him to be, like I said, back to his near point for himself. And I don't think you can really get that production around the 140 mark in drafts. And I'm just going to double up and say this is Elias Lindholm I'm talking about. Not <laughs> yeah, Elias Patterson. Not Elias Patterson. Uh, yeah. Let it be known that Craig Conroy is actually the general manager of the Calgary. Oh, he's not. Flames. There we go. Uh, but Ryan Huska, Huska, <laughs> Ryan Huska is the new Flames head coach, and yeah, that's going to be a huge. Uh, that's going to be a huge change, right? Like obviously, Daryl Sutter uh, had a tough go last year uh, with this team. Uh, you know, they're deep down the middle, so I don't really blame him for giving Michael Backlund and Nazem Kadri a lot of minutes. Backlund could probably be uh, cut back a little bit from his 18 minutes a night last year, but like Jonathan Huberto should see more minutes. Uh, Lindholm should see more minutes. My only concern with Lindholm is obviously the fact that like his best season came with Matt Kachuk, who's obviously just a superstar um, and, and Johnny Gaudreau, but his ADP is so low that it's absolutely worth the risk. Like even yeah. in a down season last year, he had 64 points in 80 games. It, it'll definitely be a little bit better. And like you said, I think he's definitely going to settle in among, you know, 70 points, 75 points. And, and even in, ADP, uh, I was going to say, even in 18, 19, he was almost a point per game guy. He had 78 in 81 games. And yeah. at that point, you know, to Chuck wasn't quite the elite superstar that we've seen. Um, so he has proven that he can kind of do it with yeah, uh, with other players. Absolutely. And he's now he's only 28. That's another point we kind of talked about, you know, um, Mika Zvinijad being 30, maybe being over that 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 hump um, or being close to it at 28. I can Lindholm could clearly still have one of his best career seasons. And so that's why I kind of want to bet on him. I, I agree is, is is so low. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think there are concerns there just because that nucleus now having lost Tyler to Foley in the off season too, that's just another piece um, that is gone from his career year two seasons ago. So I don't think that he quite has the point per game ceiling does anymore, but totally agree that at that ADP, those concerns are, are more than accounted for and uh, plenty of upside for him to, to cash in on that value. Yeah, my ADP sleeper is is not much lower, three spots lower than Elias Lindholm. Uh, going 145.6 is Mark Shifley. Uh, we talked about him as a sleeper last year. I talked about Rupe Hint D. I think Shifley was your sleeper, if I remember correctly. That is correct. Someone okay, had him. and, and he sure. cashed in in a big way. Uh, assist totals just absolutely plummeted for some inexplicable reason. Only 26 assists. But career high, 42 goals. His first 40-goal season, he had 206 shots, also a career high. 20% shooting percentage, also a career high. But yeah, like this is probably not going to be a guy that scores 42 again, but he's pretty comfortably been in the mid-30s throughout his career, or, or at least on that pace. And, and I expect him to do that yet again this season. I would imagine that the assist totals bounce back this year. Nick Ehlers missed a lot of time. Kyle Connor had a down year. Uh, the Jets did some maneuvering in the offseason, but this still looks like a pretty decent core, uh, especially their top six still looks pretty solid. I don't think that Shifley uh, is going to see you know too much of a drop off. And I, I don't think the ADP is really reflective of how good this team is. And, and it's not just Shifley. I mean, we talked about Ehlers a little bit last week. I talked about him in my article. There's a lot of Jets that are just plummeting down draft boards. It's like everybody thinks they're going to be terrible because they traded away Pierre-Luc Dubois. I don't think it's going to change too much. Uh, so, yeah, I like Mark Shifley a lot. Like I said, probably closer to 35 than 40. Uh, probably going to get back to close to 40 assists. I mean, in 2019, he had 46, followed it up with 44, and then 42 in a 56-game season, and then 41 in 2022. So it's a guy that, that's had 40, 50 assists 
uh, seasons before. And his ADP just makes absolutely zero sense. Again, uh, we talked about Mark Shifley and Rupe Hintz a lot last year. We said you could literally draft zero centers in the first, like, 11 rounds and then pick up Shifley and Rupe Hintz. And if you did that, you probably won your fantasy hockey championship unless Connor McDavid just went nuts and killed you. But Hintz and Shifley were outstanding. Uh, Shifley's ADP moved, like, zero. Um, and Hintz's ADP jumped, like, 120 spots. I don't really understand why like what the difference is i like shifley at about half of his adp he's probably ranked closer to 80 85 for me than 145 d you had him as a sleeper last year anything to add on him yeah i agree that i don't think the plus minus is going to be as big of a knock on these jets players as it was last season uh and definitely agree that dubois uh departure does not hurt shifley if anything it probably helps him um not a lot of room for the ice time to grow, but he was at 20 minutes last year. He was closer to 21 the few seasons before that. So a little bit of room for that to grow. But to me, it just means that no matter what, he's going to get to play with two pretty uh, elite wingers um, or at probably worst case, one of them being Blake Wheeler and the other one being Kyle Connor or Nick Ehlers. So um, yeah, just a lot to like here. And uh, you know, the 20% shooting percentage, not as big of a concern when a guy shoots 17% uh, for his career and always, always great to see a, a guy come through with career high in shot volume. Uh, and that finishing not suffer at all. So, uh, yeah, a lot to like, and I think there's room for a shot volume to continue growing this year. Beebs, just a reminder, we're talking about Mark Shifley, not Mark. Yeah, no. Oh, I was thinking that it was uh, Mark Recchi, fellas. Um, <laughs> Anything yeah. to add on him? Uh, no, I uh, I, th- I think we nailed it. Um, it's great to see a player appearing for a second time on Sleepers. I think that might be a first time for us because usually uh, the people that we suggest going to end up jumping up into their uh, – the spots that they should be in so well that's a perfect segue because yeah. that's exactly what happened with rupe hints last Boom. year as i just mentioned he jumped up 120 spots his adp was around 145 like it was uh shifley's is this year rupe hints is currently going 25th 25.9 um and that just seems too high so he's my bust it's crazy because he was my sleeper last year and now he's my bust it's just too high it's so I mean, he had 37 goals, 38 assists. Great. Uh, You know, great season. But he shot 20% as well. Uh, His ice time, 17.33, isn't great. They, you know, Wyatt Johnson was really good. Jamie Benn, that line was really good. Now they got Tyler Segan and Matt Duchesne. So they're very deep. It's still a team that likes their fourth line. Radic Faxa. Yeah, exactly. So uh, not like, this isn't a guy that's like all of a sudden going to get way better than he was last year. That's probably his ceiling. We saw it the previous year, 37 goals, 35 assists uh, in 80 games. Again, another good year, which is why I liked him as a sleeper last year. Uh, But there's just, like, it makes no sense. I just talked about Mark Shifley's potential to be a 35-goal player and a 40-assist player. That's basically Rupe Hintz, and you're getting him 120 picks later. Not to mention... Rupe Hintz had a 14.6 on a shooting percentage. You know, they're going to carry a high on a shooting percentage. Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, Jason Robertson are awesome. They're an outstanding line, maybe one of the best in the NHL. But even with that, he still isn't putting up elite totals that's going to make me pick him at the end of the second round, especially if you draft Connor McDavid first. I'm not going to draft Rupe Hintz next and, and just try to, like, you know, take whatever you get there. He's only center eligible as well. Um, yeah, it's just far too much. Like, here's some of the names that cracked our top 10 that he's going ahead of. Mika Zibanejad, Elias Pedersen, Tim Stutzel. Like, it, it, 
Steven Stamkos, Braden Point, I, I don't like him more than any of those players. Yeah. Uh, three rounds frankly. before Barkov. Yeah, like it's just it's just way, way, way too early. Uh, I love Rupe Hintz. I loved him at 145 ADP last year, but like things have gotten out of hand, and this was a an obvious, obvious bust pick for me at 25.9. Um, unless you guys have anything to add on him, D, we might as well we'll, we'll go right to you because yours is as just as juicy. Yeah. Um, the, I, if we're looking for clickbait for this pod, this is probably uh, a good title to lead with, but. For my bust this season, I have Sidney Crosby, which just feels so, so wrong to say. Um, but you guys might have noticed that Sidney Crosby did not make our top 10 center list. He wasn't super far off, um, if that's any consolation for you, Sid, if you're if you're listening. He was uh, 11th he was... overall, just for <laughs> the record. Sid so is just, known to listen to. so He just missed, but his ADP is 19 right now. He's going in the middle of the second round with straight center eligibility it is just clearly the name value that is carrying him and, and, and keeping him in the middle of the second round. The assist totals, don't get me wrong. They should continue to be elite. He had over 60 assists last year. Would not be surprised if he tops that mark again this year. Uh, but one thing that we see decrease as a player enters his late 30s is shot volume and efficiency shooting the puck. Shooting percentage and shot volume both just tend to decline as players get into their late 30s. Even if those totals remain consistent, that being his volume and his shooting percentage with what he's done over the last few seasons, just does not have the potential to get anywhere near 40, 45, 50 goals, which is the potential and upside that you need to justify taking a center in the second round. That's why we're happy doing it with the likes of Paige Thompson, because he could potentially give me a 45, 45 or a 50, 50 season. Crosby does not have that upside at this point in his career. So you're just severely limiting the upside of your team by taking Crosby in the second round. Is it going to tank your team? Probably not. But is it going to help you win your league? Almost certainly not. He hasn't scored more than 35 goals since the 2016-17 season. Uh, and again, there's just no world where he is a 45-goal player at this point in his career. Uh, and there are guys that we just talked about going two, three rounds later that do have that sort of potential and upside. Again, entering his age 36 season, we tend to see a drop-off in shot volume and shooting percentage right around the late 30s. Patrick Kane, Blake Wheeler, prime examples in recent years. Uh, elite generational talents like Crosby can definitely buck and prolong this trend or fight it off a little bit longer than most. Uh, look no further than Ovechkin for an exception to the rule. But sooner than later, we're going to see a drop-off in Sid's production. Uh, it's not going to get better from this point in terms of his goal scoring. And it could very well be this season. And uh, we're certainly... Not going to see him return to being one of the league's elite goal scorers. He's still a fantastic hockey player. Um, and it does hurt me to say this, but he is absolutely a bust at his current ADP. Uh, again, we talk about how deep the center position is in fantasy every year. This year is certainly no different. And if you're going to be taking one of the first two rounds, you better be confident that they have the floor of a top 15 skater and the upside to potentially end up in the top five by seasons. And Crosby checks neither of those boxes for me. I will not be drafting an assist-dependent center in the second round who offers little value in filler categories. I, I think he's got a very productive season ahead of him and will operate comfortably above a point per game, but it's going to be far too reliant on assists for me. I have him projected to finish at totals that are almost identical to uh, Alexander Barkov, who's going four rounds later. So uh, could yeah. not be more out on Crosby this season, unfortunately. I, I will say I'd rather have Crosby at 19 than Rupe Hids at 25, but yeah. uh, I completely agree. Um it's, it's funny to see next to them in, in ADP, Ovechkin and Crosby. Ovechkin going 18, Crosby at 19. Uh, and, you know, obviously the left wing, obviously the goal scoring. I would still much rather have Ovechkin at this point. But, yeah, the totals are just far too similar to Barkov's. And, and, and 
just going way, way too early. So uh, it is interesting. Um, I was going to say to even further drive that point, Jake Gensel's gone for a good percentage of the fantasy season. And and that's 100%. someone who makes a huge difference for Sidney Crosby. That's his best goal scoring partner. Um, yeah. And I'm just not expecting a big jump from Eric Carlson going there. Like, it's not like he was playing. That's what with, I was just going to say. Like, don't you, you think know? that this is got to be a little bit of like Pittsburgh Penguins hype. They got Carlson. They got yeah, all but these then why is, old men playing together. And it's just going to be amazing. Why is Malkin's ADP be... 95 then? Like that just, it, it yeah, doesn't add seems... up. Yeah, it's it doesn't add up because I, I really think Malkin is not going to be that far off of Crosby's production. So for there to be 80 picks between them just doesn't make any sense. And it's just something you should stay away from. It's not fun because we all love Sidney Crosby. He's been probably the best player of the last 15 years or so. But uh, unfortunately, at this point, like I said, he's just not that elite, elite fantasy player. I would be more than in on him and kind of like the late third, early fourth round because the assist totals are still elite. But. Uh, yeah, you really need to be able to say that this guy is definitely going to finish top 10, top 15 skaters by year end with the potential to creep into the top five. And, and Sid just doesn't have that anymore. Yeah, like yeah. if you look at a guy like Sebastian Aho too, like, you know, it, just to give some other names out here as opposed to just comparing everybody to Barkov's ADP, like Aho, probably pretty similar. He's going to score more goals. He's going 41.9. Um, that's just, you know, that's just another player that I would rather have. Uh, you get the year-to-year consistency from Aho. Like, you know, maybe the point totals won't be the exact same, but if if I'm able to draft a winger or, or a different position in that second round, like he's going right around. Uh, this is this is Crosby. He's going right around when all those top-tier goalies are going yeah. off the board as well, yeah, right? So, like, goalie. you're sacrificing Shosturkin, uh, Vasilevsky, Sorokin. Uh, you know, to take to take Crosby in that spot, and and, and then you're going to end up, you I'm know, having a, a week having a weaker goalie than than uh than you would otherwise if you take Crosby in that spot. So yeah, uh like you said, he's probably not gonna necessarily lose you your league, but he he's not gonna be a league when you pick at 19th overall. Uh Beeps, who you got as your bust? Yeah. Um my bust also uh also you know a big fan favorite. Uh maybe not fan fantasy fan favorite, but I got uh Bo Horvat out in the island um, he's currently going at 122.3 and it, it's gonna, I more so have Bo as my bus just because of the people around him. We talked about how deep center is, and that just kind of means that there are deeper players. So I expect to basically outproduce Bo Horvat last year. He had 38 goals, 32 assists, that amazing start that everyone loved in Vancouver. But then he went to the Island. And when he went in the Island, we all got excited. We thought he's going to have Matt Barzell there. He's going to, you know, it's going to, he's going to put it together. He's going to finally score 50 goals. And he managed to put up a whopping seven goals, nine assists and 16 points in 30 games. That's only 43 points across an 82 game season. If we extrapolate that, this is a guy who only has two 60 plus point seasons in nine years. When we talk about fantasy hockey and almost centers specifically, I often say if you're a 55 point player below, you're almost not even rosterable. You're, you're coming, you're coming off the waiver wire. And if we're talking about 60 points here, uh, I don't necessarily want to be grabbing Bo Horvat ahead of the likes of Elias Lindholm, Matty Beneers, Mark Shifley, Trevor Zegras, Pavel Bushnevich, all the even Matt Barzell at 158 ADP. I would almost rather have than Bo Horvat at a 122. Um, he, he doesn't, he just doesn't drive points like he like he's being drafted as. And I think people are almost drafting him as a point per game player in this position or just below. And uh, I just don't see that happening in New York. It's not 
it, it just New York doesn't score goals in last year. They were 22nd in the NHL in goals. And that's with having Horvat for 30 of those 82 games. And then if we, you know what, take it even deeper, the last three years, they are 23rd in the NHL. In the last five years, they are 27th. So there are only five teams scoring less goals than them. And one of them is Seattle, who hasn't even played all those years. So realistically, there's only four. So they play a very defensive style. Things haven't necessarily changed in the last couple of years. And why should they when that's kind of Horvat's game? He's a phenomenal player. We talk about it before with guys like Patrice Bergeron, where they're great players on the ice and they might have very, very high value. Jonathan Tay, same thing. It just doesn't quite translate for fantasy. Um, it's a guy who's only scored more than 30 goals twice. It's There's just so many numbers that I think you could take a chance on a guy like Matty Veneers, like Trevor Zegras, and I think you can have basically the same floor with high, high potential for a lot more, and I like that a lot more. Um, Horvat kind of, you know, he ate ice last year out in the island and in Vancouver. He was averaging over 20 minutes a night. I don't see that changing as in there's not more room for him to grow there. If anything, the likes of Brock Nelson and a healthy Matt Barzell could actually take a little bit away. It probably won't. He should still be, you know, 20, 21 minutes. But um, even I almost would rather have Brock Nelson if, if, if we're in New York and we're grabbing centers who's going two rounds deeper than him. You can yeah. almost have you can almost guarantee better goal production and Brock Nelson's been right there and nobody even thinks about Brock Nelson when they're drafting teams. So um, I just, I just don't think it looks great when there's a guy on your team um, that basically is better fantasy wise and going three rounds later. Um, So I I I don't mean to fall on Bo, but it's just, it's the people behind him are way too good. I think the most glaring stat is that he was on pace for 44 points after being yeah. traded to the Islanders. Like it's just, yeah. it's not, it's not good. Uh, we, we screamed and screamed and screamed. Like you need to trade this guy if you can, when he was shooting 37% in, in Vancouver, he shot 21% in Vancouver. Shockingly, the shooting percentage dropped to 8.1% in, in New York. It's not going to be that bad. Yeah, uh, it went so just, far the other way, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah. I think the truth is going to be somewhere in the middle, but to mm-hmm. Beebs' point, like it doesn't warrant a draft pick. Like 120 doesn't seem like anything crazy, but there are some super usable pieces that are That's still going to be on the board there. And I'm with Beebs. Like, like this is probably going to be a player that will be flirting with the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, especially in aggressive leagues that don't have a lot of limit on matchup acquisitions. Cause um, yeah, I do think like he is, to me, more of like a 30-30 player. And I agree with Beavs that it's in a much worse scenario here on Long Island than what he was working with in Vancouver. Uh, Vancouver, much more high-event hockey team. The Islanders love to suck the fun out of hockey, and they're very good at it. Um, and he just doesn't contribute in those other categories like people, I think, kind of assume he does because he has a reputation of being kind of a two-way center that kills penalties, but he doesn't hit. He had 57 hits last year, slightly higher than average, yes. But again, certainly nothing that warrants that kind of draft selection and I, I think you hit the nail on the head beeps I'd, I'd much rather brock nelson than bo horvat in a vacuum so you consider the adps too uh and yeah i'm on board it's not a it's not a massive bust and i'd like to have bo at the end of my draft but uh yeah i'm not taking him in the middle rounds and i probably won't be seeing any of him on my teams as, as a result it feels a lot like the nazem kadri from last year right mm-hmm. big year in colorado free agent it gets a bag and then it's just is what it is. He was a bust for us last year, and, and, he, and he was a bust. I had him as my bust. He had 56 points in 82 games last year. Took him a while to get there. He but. he really hurt teams, too, in the playoffs because there's so many teams that had him early in the year. And, you know, you got your great production, but when it comes to the fantasy playoffs and you have to hold a guy like Bo Horvat, he was absolutely decimating teams. And uh, I would be surprised if a, if a lot of teams won with Bo Horvat on their roster. If they did, they did some good work otherwise. 
Yeah, let it be known he did get that bag this summer. Eight years, $68 million, eight and a half. Per it was actually last season, season but yeah, well, mid-season. Yeah, but like it kicks in this season. Yes. Like also this. could maybe explain Meet why. I mean, money's a motivator. He didn't have a contract. He got 31 goals in 49 so games. That's exactly Signed what I'm saying. contract. He scored seven goals in 30 games, right? So. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Makes so. you think. All right. Let's move on to our breakouts. D, kick us off. Uh, you are the boss, man. Uh, gonna talk about my namesake, Dylan Cousins. They named him after me, um, so gotta give him some love here. Uh, but no, we gushed about this kid for months last season. Uh, what he was able to do playing limited minutes with secondary wingers as a 21 year old, like literally blows my mind. Usually, when you see production like that, uh, what he did, which was about 31 goals, 36 assists, I believe it was, as a 21-year-old. It's because they're getting all the minutes in the world, they're getting all the usage, and they're playing with some pretty talented players. Could not have been less of the case for Dylan Cousins last year, and it's got me so excited about his potential this season that I'm willing to look past the fact that uh, the major setbacks he faced last year are probably still going to be in play. He's, you know, His minutes are still going to be capped behind Tage Thompson, uh, and Brock talked about how much they love playing Tage, Skinner, and Tuck together, which means Cousins is probably going to be limited to playing with some secondary wingers as well. But again, he succeeded in that role last year. He played just 16 minutes a night, and his two most common lawmates at 5v5 were J.J. Paterka and Casey Middlestad. Uh, yet he somehow managed to pot 31 goals on 211 shots and tally 37 assists for 68 points in 81 games. He was a driving force behind that line, uh, that formed a surprisingly cohesive unit, and he was able to create enough chances for himself and cash in on his power play time with the first unit to become one of the more productive young players in the league last season. Uh, and yeah, I really can't ever recall a stat line like that uh, while having, you know, essentially what are pretty close to replacement level players as your linemates over the full course of a season. It is beyond exciting to think about what he could do over the next few seasons in an expanded role. And regardless of how the lineup shakes out, I would expect to rise in ice time. We talked about how the Sabres, for no reason, just play their bottom six too much. Uh, I think if they're, he should get more minutes if they're serious about making the postseason this year. That top six should just be rolled a little bit harder. Uh, and if the Sabres are at all a little bit more flexible or balanced in their lineup construction, because to me, it makes a lot more sense to have one of the two wingers playing with Cousins uh, and then the other of Skinner or Tuck playing with H. Thompson. Gives you two really good lines. Don't know why you don't do that, but I'm not the coach of the Buffalo Sabres. We'll see how it plays out this season. But yeah, I think if that happens and he sees some more ice time with either of Tucker Skinner, then we could easily be talking about a 40-40 player by season's end. And again, I had to just get the hard numbers for you guys to show how excluded he was playing with uh, with Skinner and Tuck last year. But Cousins played 623 minutes with J.J. Paterka last season at 5 <laughs> 5 compared to 113 minutes with Alex Tuck and just 58 minutes with Jeff Skinner. Uh, and that's with Tage Thompson having a, some absences from the lineup. So uh, he's at a point in his career, Dylan Cousins, where you expect him to improve year over year coming into his age 22 season. He should be seeing an expanded role. And if you want to dream incredibly big, you can pray that Buffalo experiments with putting Tage Thompson over the, on the wing with what, which he has done, excuse me, in his career previously um, at times this season, even if it's only in dire situations, uh, which would obviously skyrocket his upside so regardless of how it all plays out dylan cousins a very safe bet to uh, build on his performance from last season which makes his adp of 132 one of the best values in the entire draft uh, i think he's a phenomenal pick this season yeah i think he's got the opportunity to at least match what he did last year making 131 a great pick i think obviously uh the jack 
Quinn injury hurts. Uh, it would have been nice to see what him and Jack Quinn could do for an extended period of time again this year as they both kind of improve. Um, yeah, like I, I think the one spot you can look at um, and say there's obvious, obviously there's room for growth here is the power play goals. Uh, just five power play goals last year, 24 at even strength. Um, you know, you give him five more power play goals and now you're talking, you know, this is a guy that could push for 40 in year, uh, in year four. So, uh, I actually love Dylan cousins. I, 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 I just joined your guys dynasty league that you guys always talk about. I picked up a team. Uh, finally let you in. Yeah. You finally let me in and I'm excited to uh, say that I do have Dylan cousins on the roster. So, um, yeah, I mean, either I'm keeping his ass or you guys are going to have to trade for him. Yeah, one thing too about Cousins that's kind of crazy that 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 blew my mind. He he had his longest stretch without a point while playing these limited minutes was three games last year. So I definitely think that you know we could see a lot better production, and and it just shows how steady he gets on the board. Yeah, absolutely. He was he was a stabilizing force in, in that middle six uh, for the Sabers last year, and like you said, D. Hopefully, he gets a little bit more run. Uh, Beebs, who is your breakout candidate for twenty twenty four? My breakout candidate, there's a lot, a lot of people jumping on this bandwagon and uh, I had to strictly because as I mentioned, I love second half scoring and Pavel Zaka was a guy who actually went off in last year's second half. But what kind of stood out for me, we uh, we heard during the offseason, Patrice Bergeron retired. That's 17 and a half minutes of ice time. We also heard David Krejci retired. 17 and a half more minutes of ice time. There's 34 minutes extra of ice time to go around down the middle in Boston right now. And I think Zaka's the perfect guy to take over there. Um, we talked about, you know, how good Pasternak is, how he's a top, top fantasy player. Well, Zaka's going to be his center and he is likely to jump on that power play. And after 27 even strength points in his last 40 games last year to end the year, I think that there's just a ton of room for this guy to grow. And uh, he's basically not even being drafted right now in drafts, which is why he's totally worth taking a chance on. I mentioned he had a phenomenal second half. 40 in his last 40 games played 16 goals, 16 assists. That's quite incredible. If you were to put that, if you, you had that across a full NHL season, you would be getting a 30, 30 season out of the guy when he's not even touching the top power play. And he's not even playing with these big boys. He was in a third line role last year. This is, it was actually insane. He played 16, 22 on average. So if you give him four more minutes, maybe he gets over the 200 shot mark. He'll get closer to that. 70 80 points just because he's going to be getting fed it um a lot of people have kind of said you know what what if someone steps up can play that role what zaka really brings though is he's very good defensively he's six four he's a towering center it's kind of what they need up the middle there so that the big boys can just work and uh and for me i think this was a very easy choice he dominates other categories such as plus minus, or he did plus minus and he should continue to so for me Zaka is a for sure um, op- option here, and I'm super happy that I got to talk about him. I would love getting him at the end of my drafts. And uh, much like Barrett Hayden, I think I'm going to have to draft him two to three rounds earlier just because guys like D exist, and they are very smart, and they are very good at fantasy hockey, and I do not want to deal with that, and I want Zaka on every squad I own. Yeah, I mean, someone's got to fill those minutes, right? And I think we've seen kind of everything we need to see out of a guy like Charlie Coyle, solid hockey player, not going to be the guy that – that goes up there and plays, you know, tons of minutes with David Pasternak and, and Brad Marchand and gets the job done. So uh, Pavel Zaka certainly seems like the player uh, that fits the bill there. It, it's interesting, like, how 
much the Bruins went from like having the deepest center core in the NHL for so long to just being like so soft down the middle. So off two uh, retirements, that's all it took. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. What a, what a, what it probably the biggest fall from grace we've seen from a team in a while. Just off of well, one set, they were if just. You, if you go to the third round, these guys come back. No. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably. Um, okay, moving on. My breakout candidate for this season, I think we talked about him a little bit last week, but Tommy Novak from the Nashville Predators, uh, he is currently going undrafted. So if you get a breakout candidate that is undrafted, that's usually helpful. Um, so yeah, he, he was really solid pretty much all of last year when he got called up. Uh, he In 29 games, or his first 29 games, he had 23 points, 9 goals, 14 assists. But he did so while playing just 12 and a half minutes per game. Uh, then the trade deadline rolled around. They traded away Michael Granlin. And he went from 12 and a half minutes to 17 and a half minutes per game. He picked up eight goals, 12 assists, 20 points in the final 22 games of the season. Uh, yeah, just a guy that really finished strong. He was, a, he was a great waiver wire find. We talked about him a little bit towards the end of last season. Uh, he's a guy that put up you know, really, really strong numbers in the AHL over the last three seasons. So he's a guy that can get the job done. Former third-round pick, 26 years old. Uh, and then, yeah, this offseason, the, the uh, Predators went out. They moved uh, Ryan Johansson, leaving even more ice time uh, down the middle for Tommy Novak that was filled a little bit by the addition of Ryan O'Reilly. But uh, as I mentioned, after the trade deadline last year, 17 and a half minutes per game, had 20 points in 22 games. That's the type of production uh, or at least usage you can expect from Tommy Novak heading into this season. So as a guy uh, that just is like not going to be drafted, a guy that you can just pick up after you move somebody IR at the end of the draft or after the draft, excuse me. Uh, I think Novak has plenty of, of upside heading into the season. Uh, there's a lot of guys that, that, you know, are being drafted that probably don't have the same ceiling as him. Uh, and, and, you know, he is not a household name by any means right now, but Tommy Novak is a guy that I really, really like. He's a guy that I had my fantasy teams towards the end of last season. And I I'm hoping that, uh, you know, last season rolls into this one. Beams, you talked about it a little bit earlier with Tim Stutzel. Like you love those second half finishers. Tommy Novak is certainly one of those guys. Uh, and with the usage. Yeah. I absolutely like a potential breakout here from Novak in 2024 uh anything to add on tommy novak fellas no i think uh he's in a nice little spot and i think you know uh 95% of fantasy hockey players don't realize that he had 43 points in in 51 games last year so i like it um and i love a player with some upside and absolutely zero risk um that's going to cost me next to nothing to uh, invest in them you could potentially even pick up um, some guys with injuries headed into the season, toss them on your IR and then cycle back into the free agent pool to pick up a Tommy Novak. So uh, yeah, he's a nice piece. And I, I think one that'll be pretty telling pretty early on, right? We'll see how his role is going to shake out. Is he really going to get all the minutes we're hoping for? And you could probably make a decision on him within the first, you know, three or four games. If he's going to be someone that we think has the potential to build off what he did last year, or if he looks like it was maybe a bit of a flash in the pan, he's going to be buried down the depth chart. So uh, yeah, I think it's someone that we'll find out right away whether or not he's going to be a useful asset, which is a, a really nice quality to have when you're looking at late round flyers. Yeah, you just pick him up, see how it works. If it doesn't, 
Moving on. Uh, okay, before we end the show, I just want to quickly circle back uh, to our top 10 and just give you a list of names of the guys who just missed out. So all of these guys cracked our top 15 uh, in some capacity and, and we're just missing out in the top 10. So at 11, Sidney Crosby, bust. 12, Braden Point. 13, JT Miller. 14, Steven Stamkos. 15, Rupe Hintz, bust. 16, Sebastian Aho, 17, John Tavares, and 18, Connor Bedard. So that is going to do it for the first of five positional preview episodes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, as you know, if you've listened to the show before, the offseason can be crazy. These, these episodes come hot and heavy. We, we, we try to get them out as fast as we can so that you can fill your brain with as much fantasy hockey knowledge as possible so you can head into your drafts prepared. So there's really no rhyme or reason to when these shows are coming out. Whenever we've got some time to, to get on the mics, we will be releasing the next one, which will be the left winger. So stay tuned, stay locked to us at dailyfaceout.com and on Twitter at DFO Fantasy. For the boys, I'm Brock Segan. We've got Dylan D. Burns, Michael Muse Bondi. We'll see you guys back here soon. Remember to wait when you draft those centers. They will be there later on. Grab your wingers first. Peace.